Well, if you have your Bibles this morning or a device, please turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Welcome to week two of our fall series, Connected. Last week, Pastor Tim preached a message rooted in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you were here, bringing clarity to the idea of living together in community. What is one of the best ways for us to grow deeper in our relationship with God? It's by engaging and investing deeply in real life with real people. This week, we're bringing into focus the idea that we are spiritually formed. We experience growth when we learn together in discipleship. So let's jump into 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3, to see what it actually has to say. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins i'm going to do something right off the bat here this morning in this message that may seem absolutely ludicrous to some of you. Today is a little bit rainy, but the last few days, gang, has been pretty good. Wouldn't you say? I would say that's been pretty good. Yeah. And yet I'm going to mention that cursed word this morning, snow. Now, we rugged Christians, wow, wow, we, we're rugged. We're, we're rugged Canadians, we are, and we're accustomed to this sort of thing, like eight, week, eight months of the year, pretty much, and, and we have a reputation for being tough, and we, we set our alarms earlier, and we rev up that 12-horsepower snowblower. We don't even swear at the, at the plow driver when he smirks and fills the end of our driveway with three or four feet of snow. Some of us don't swear, at least. Not us, not us. We're not afraid of a little snow, are we? <laughs> but let's be honest here this morning. At some point or another, we have found ourselves stuck in snow, haven't we? We, we thought we had enough momentum to plow right through, but that snow was thicker than we thought, and it bogged us down. We lost our momentum. We couldn't go forward anymore. We got stuck, like really, really stuck. And the more the wheels spun, the more they created a slick of ice. And in that moment, you've all been there, haven't you? In that moment, 
basically you have two choices. One, you can sit there and wait until winter ends, that is, and that's not a really great option. Or you can figure out something different to get some traction. To get some traction. Are you with me this morning? Church, I'm your connection pastor. And so part of my responsibility as a connection pastor is to think about traction. Spiritual traction. Momentum. My momentum. Your momentum. Collectively, our momentum. So let me put it like this this morning. If your faith this morning is like a car moving through snow, how many of us are getting stuck? You haven't quit. Physically, you're here. You haven't abandoned your faith. But neither are you moving forward. Sitting there privately in a form of quiet despair. That's one form of stuckness. Quietly sitting there. Sitting stuck, we'll call it. But another form of stuckness is just as frustrating. You're spinning. You're trying new things. You're putting the tire chains on, and yet no amount of worship services or studies or conversations or books or podcasts seem to be gaining any traction. That's spinning stuck. And yet both forms of stuckness, sitting and spinning, can lead to an exhausted stare at the windshield with you exclaiming, God, is this as good as it gets? Why is life as a Christian so hard? Why does it look like everyone else around me is making progress and I'm not? Why can't I get traction? feel so alone. Are you stuck in your journey this morning? If you are, I want to breathe encouragement into your life. Let's look at verse 3 of what we just read. God's, his, God's divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of, of him. Let's stop there just for a moment. That, that, that's, that's quite a statement there. Pastor Mark reminded us of this just a few minutes ago. Let that reality get a hold of you, and that reality alone might change your perspective on your stuckness. What it implies there is that God doesn't need to do anything more for us than he actually already has. It suggests here that if you're stuck this morning, you already have at your disposal everything that you need to get yourself moving again. I don't know about you, but that's really, really, really good news. It's great news. It means, friends, that there's no past sin that disqualifies you. No limited edition for just the really, really good Christians. No add-ons, no 
secret codes. Listen, Peter says you already have everything that everybody else has, even the ones that are plowing, rocking it through the snow. Now, it's true you may not be using what's at your disposal in the same way as them. But can we at least start here this morning based on the truth of God's word that you have what you need to get some spiritual traction in your life this fall. Friends, you've got it. You've got it. God has given you important tools to get you unstuck. Are you with me this morning? Just nod. Good. Thank you. That's great. Now, look at the next verse, verse 4. What else has God given us? It says, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Let me ask this morning, have you ever been given a very great and precious promise? I know I have. I remember when we were in the adoption process of our boys, Ethan, Andrew, and Jaden. Jaden's up there. Hey, Jay. Good to see you, Betty. That's awesome. He doesn't come much. Good to have you here, Jaden. Now, uh, with adoptions, those of you who have adopted before, you recognize that you are actually required to proceed through what Christy and I affectionately called our paper pregnancy. <laughs> That's what we called it, our paper pregnancy. And so, ladies, instead of an expanding midsection, Christy had an expanding file folder with signed and stamped documents of various kinds. And we can attest that it takes months to gather all of that paperwork that's actually needed. But when that file is actually completed and everything is finally approved, man, what a great feeling. I remember it hitting me both times when we adopted. Chris, we're really actually going to adopt children. Such a great and precious promise. But then we waited. And we waited. <laughs> and we waited. You see, our stack of papers tying us to the three kids that we would eventually adopt, it needed to be processed. And it would be processed, but only in due time. And so we waited. Sometimes patiently, I'll admit sometimes impatiently, but with a sense of expectancy. Christians, for some of you who are stuck here today, you may feel like you've been waiting a pretty long time for those promises. How much longer, God? I, I, I don't think I can bear it any longer. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like help is nowhere to be found. Listen. Listen. God whispers to us today, hold on. Hold on. I've got promises for you. Great promises. Look closely at what Peter's saying there in the second part of verse 4. He's talking about being entwined in the very life 
of our triune God. Try to think about that. The life, the nature, the energy that proceeds from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can all be part of that. Wow. And so, friends, the really, really good news is that if you feel stuck here this morning and you've been wondering for a while if this is really as good as it gets, I'm here to say help is on the way. Some really, really good help. And not just a CAA tow truck. Here in the form of God, the creator of the universe, who loves you and cheers for you this morning. Friends, that's really, really good news. It's good news. But what do we do with that good news? What do we do with it? Peter doesn't leave us stuck in a snowbank. <laughs> in verses 5, 6, and 7, our Bibles give us six virtues, traction tools, we're going to call them this morning, traction tools at our disposal. I hear Peter saying, Christian, if you're stuck here this morning, and if you feel like you need to get some traction, if you have all of the promises for life and godliness, but you're still stuck, then there is a way out of this. And right there in the middle of the text that we just read, between faith and between love, we find six lifelines, six really, really practical tools, I think, to help us get unstuck. Can you see them? Firstly, and practically, add to your faith goodness. Here's the thought. If you're stuck, try something new that's good this fall. Really simple. Find something good that's happening and figure out how you can actually be a part of it. Listen, in order to go where you've never been before, you've got to try something good that you've never done before. Some of you are stuck in your marriages. Some of you are stuck in addictions. If that's you, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. As a church, we want to help you. Genuinely. We want to help you get unstuck. And so we have some initiatives, two key initiatives, actually, this fall that we are promoting because we know that some of your marriages are really in trouble. And we know that for some of you, addictions are destroying your life. And so our Married People program starts next Saturday, 7 p.m., in the Family Center. Preemptive or triage. If you're married this morning, plan to attend. Married People, next Saturday. Celebrate recovery. The Zwickers are here from King's Church. Welcome, guys. God has used the Zwickers in a powerful way to lead us to a place where we have started a Celebrate Recovery program, a Christ-centered 12-step program that starts Monday, September the 26th in the, hug, in the hub. Our best attempt right now to deal 
with the great needs of many, many stuck people, friends, married people, and celebrate recovery. These two initiatives, they may be lifelines for you. Lifelines. If you're stuck in your marriage or there's a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up that's got you stuck, why not get involved in something good that you've never done before to gain the sort of spiritual traction that seems so elusive to you right now? Number one, try something good. Number two, secondly, it says, add to your faith goodness. Try something good. Learn something together. Church, let me say something bold here. Personally, my opinion, I think that there is something wrong if our faith requires us rarely to think any harder than we do at our day job. And some of you have pretty complex day jobs. <laughs> some of us need to stretch our thinkers. How do we do that? Here's a few ways. We find a group. We read something stimulating. We take a class where we chew on something and learn something new. It's no secret. That's our strategy here at Moncton Wesleyan for Tuesday nights this fall, starting October 2nd. Alpha for seekers and new Christians with questions. And beta for maturing Christians who are looking to go deeper. And word for people who want to grapple with key, key passages of the Bible. Tuesday night is a big, big part of our discipleship strategy here. And we want you involved. We want you involved. But this is also, gang, where I offer a little bit of a qualifier and a caution about knowledge. Read it closely, this passage. The word here for knowledge, epinosis in the Greek, it means a deep, inward, resonating comprehension in the direction of God. What does that all mean? It means that we don't just read stuff in a book or attend stuff on a Tuesday night just to understand. Friends, it's got to stick to us. That's, that's how we gain traction. Let me personalize it this morning. I started attending church when I was 13 years old. Went to Bible college here in New Brunswick after high school, learned to study theology, and have been trying to do that with varied success <laughs> over the last few decades. But let me tell you, friends, in the past few years, like I'm talking five years maybe, while immersing myself in the study of the Trinity, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, that knowledge has come alive to me in a brand new way. How? My thinking about our triune God and how I worship and how I live in response to a God who reveals himself in such an incredible self-giving way. It's been transformative. My worship is altered. My prayers have changed. How, how I view and treat other people has been affected. So yes, it's knowledge, but it's knowledge with traction. 
You know what that's like, don't you? So stretch yourself this fall. Think deeply. Wrestle with ideas. Let them sink down inside of you. That's what initiatives like Alpha and Beta and Word are all about. And that's why we host Bible studies and Women Arise and Mother's Club, who need volunteers, by the way, and Rising and Super Seniors. Are you stuck here this morning? Try something good. Learn something together this fall. Thirdly, add to your knowledge self-control. Now, let me confess here just for a few moments. When I think of self-control, I often think it means eating only a handful of sour jujubes instead of the whole five-pound Costco bag. Is anyone here with me this morning? Thank you for those bags, by the way. Keep them coming. That's great. Man, I've got a lot of jujubes lately. Wow. When I think like that, gang, what I'm doing is I'm defining self-control in terms of moderation. But literally, the language here in the passage that we just read is more like this. Mike, get a hold of yourself. (laughs) Get a hold of yourself. It's tied to the idea of discipleship. And and habit formation here. Are you stuck this morning? Try something good. Learn something together. Practice something. Practice something. Start a new spiritual habit this fall. Exercise your spiritual muscles. (laughs) It's somebody bigger. Gilles Yamber or someone. Yeah. Practice your spiritual muscles. I teach a course at Kingswood University called Spiritual Formation. Basically, it's an opportunity for students preparing for ministry to learn about and practice some of the spiritual disciplines. And so we have classes where we examine traditional religious practices and disciplines like prayer and service and fasting and simplicity and The practice of celebration. Have you ever thought of that before? The practice of celebration? And we actually practice some of these things in our class together. And so we take parts of classes and we practice silence, like three to five minutes. Can you imagine sitting here for five minutes in silence? We won't do that. We do in the class. We fast a meal together. We memorize a chapter of the Bible together. It's great. And I love teaching. I really do really, really love teaching this class, but really, the truth is, academia is not the best context for spiritual formation. What is? Your everyday life is. Are you sitting this morning? Are you spinning stuck today? Practice something this fall that you've never, ever practiced before. Do something good. Learn something together. Practice something. Fourthly, add to your self-control perseverance. Endure a challenge this fall. Church, don't worry about this one. You don't have to pick this one. It'll choose you. I've had the really great privilege this past summer 
and even in the last few weeks of walking with some of you through some of the toughest challenges of your life. Please hear this. When something inevitably happens this fall that's challenging, and you have to endure something really, really hard, remember this. God is always around somewhere in those dark places. And if we'll just sit there for a little while, with those great promises that Peter talked about earlier. And if we'll just look around, maybe, just maybe, God will use the challenge that you're about to experience this fall to make you stronger. Think about that. Has that ever happened to you? It's hard to see perseverance, and it's hard to see endurance when you're right in the middle of the storm but when it's over and when you're moving again you'll be stronger you'll be stronger you're doing great we're uh we're going to come in for a landing here fifthly add to your perseverance godliness i want to say this gently this morning but firmly confess sin in your life If you're sitting stuck here this morning or spinning stuck this morning, maybe it's time to come clean. How do we do that? Here's how. When we do something wrong, we admit it. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, said, confession is discipleship. Listen, I struggle with this one just like you do. It's, it's really easy to make excuses. Man, other people really, really knew my secret. They might think this, this, and, and this. Or we convince ourselves and we say, I can keep doing this and still be okay. But friend, here's the thing. You're not okay. And here's the thing. Deep down, you know it. In my years of ministry, I've had more than a few men and women who have come into my office and shared things about their relationships and their marriages that, frankly, I do not like to hear. They confess to unfaithfulness, habits, lies, secrecy, abusive behavior. And sometimes when I've heard these confessions and I've assured them of God's grace, people have looked me in the eye with with tears rolling down their faces, having said things that they have never said to anyone else before, and they're ready to let go. And yet, I sense that confession, hear me, Confession does nothing if it does not lessen the impulse to do it again. So make it right. Make it right. After you confess, you have to go 
and make it right. You have to actually have those really, really hard conversations. And you have to build firewalls in your life so sin doesn't happen again. Five tools to help you get unstuck. Try something good. Learn something together. Practice something. Endure a challenge. Confess. And lastly, belong to something. Verse 7 there says, add to your godliness mutual affection. The word here is kindness in English, in Greek, philadelphos, where we get the word Philadelphia, which literally means what? The city of love, the love of community. (laughs) Pastor Tim did a great job preaching on this last Sunday, didn't he? Living together in community. It's why we're offering our 101 series this fall. Baking and crafting and RC car racing and home maintenance and ninjutsu and volleyball and ball hockey. It's why we gathered together last Friday night, this past Friday at Stonehurst, and just spent time together enjoying one another and getting to know one another. It's why we wanted you to consider membership this month. It's why we hope that you'll come to S'more Summer in a few weeks and just hang out together and laugh a lot and get to know each other around the campfire. I get it. I get it. I know how busy your lives are. You're busy, busy people. And you might look at that booklet that you can get out there at the kiosk. And you may look at it and you maybe think, Mike, thanks, but I'm really not into all that Jesus stuff. (laughs) But what if, what if becoming a part of a group of Christians that live life together and learn things together is exactly what you need to help you get unstuck this fall? What if Peter is actually onto something here and there's something about belonging to a healthy community and giving yourself to others around you? Not just attending an event and showing up and filling a seat, but actually connecting and learning and engaging with one another? What if that's part of what helps you thrive this fall? You've been an attentive bunch. (laughs) Let me say in closing, it is my privilege to be your Connections Pastor here at Moncton Wesleyan. And so your connection to God and your spiritual traction, it's really, really important to me. I think about it a lot. Ask my wife. Our staff thinks about it a lot. We really genuinely care for you guys. You're dearly loved. And when things are going really well in your life, we love to celebrate with you and laugh with you and enjoy time with you. And when things are not going well, it is an honor cry with you and pray with you and journey with you. So if you're here this morning 
and you're sitting stuck or you're spinning stuck, let us help you. Let us help you. Let's talk. You do not have to do this alone. We want to help you connect to God. Courageously, we encourage you to reach out. Stop by the kiosk after service today. Talk to someone. There are people who are ready to chat and help you today. And be encouraged. You can thrive. You can thrive this fall with God's help. Let's learn together. I remembered all my notes this week. <clears throat> if you weren't here last week, don't worry about it. Don't ask. 